This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Imagine those in the world don't have that peace. I don't need to tell you, none of us live on the rock, but you, you see the lawlessness is carried out in the world. News is filled with everything negative. People are just killing people, family members, and the world is living with no peace, no hope. What am I going to do now? You know, look at the, what's going on, you know, chaos is chaos. There's no peace, no rest because many have fear. Ultimately, they fear death. They don't know where they're going to go once they die. The uncertainty of life, and even more so death, plagues the lost in this world. Life is just as unpredictable for believers in Jesus, and hardships come just as much, if not more, for those who follow Him. But we aren't subject to the same fear, as Pastor Eddie will remind us in today's message. We know that death is just a transition from brokenness to wholeness and glory in the presence of our Savior. And that gives us peace in this life. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 as he continues his message, Promise Rest for God's People. Now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, not tomorrow. No one promised you tomorrow. No one promised you two more days right now. No one promised you a week or a month or a year. You don't know. We, we read in the paper all the people that died every day. So many people are just dying from, I don't know what, they're young, accidents or whatever, illnesses. It's amazing. Nobody, nobody knew. It's all a surprise. You never know. That's why it's important today to be right with Jesus Christ. Don't wait for tomorrow. Accept Jesus now. Don't wait because you, you can't tell the Lord, well, I made it a church Sunday, you know, September 18, 2022. Going to church don't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's make you a hamburger. You know that one, right? That was, I'm sorry, that was boring. That was corny. But you understand, you, you can't be saved by coming to church and doing works. We do that because of what Jesus done for us. We do that because we grow in faith. But you need to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't go through Buddha. You can't go through Muhammad. You can't go through any other God. It's not their heaven. It's not their kingdom. They're not gods. They're still dead. Jesus rose from the grave. He's alive and he's seated, seated now at the right hand of the Father. And so he, he, he now, the writer of Hebrews, in verse 8, he says, For if Joshua had given rest, then he, the Lord, would not afterward have spoken of another day. So in other words, if Joshua, see, Moses didn't lead the children, he didn't make it to the promised land, you remember. uh, Moses didn't lead the children of Israel into the promised land. It was through Joshua. So he's pointing, he says, if Joshua made it, still remains, you know, what did he say? He said, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. So David is speaking of another day. 
We're talking about after Joshua. Why is David saying, okay, well, Joshua led him into the promised land. Why is this still a day? Why is it so important? Because now we get it in the book, of, you know, we see it in the Psalms. Because going to the promised land didn't solve it. Because when they made it to the promised land, they still were sick. They still got sick. These sicknesses, right? These sorrow, suffering. They, some of them still died. It's not like, okay, we're in the, we're in the promised land. We're not going to die. We're going to live forever. This heaven. Nope. It was a picture. It's pointing to Jesus Christ. So there was still sickness. They still died. So God's true rest is not by Moses. It's not by Joshua. It's through Jesus Christ. The rest that the writer is speaking about is Jesus. Later on, we're going to see that. But it's not the Sabbath day. It is not a Canaan rest. It is not a promised land rest. It is not a creation rest. It is a Jesus Christ rest. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to point to Jesus. And we can add now Joshua to the list of things that the writer of Hebrews was saying that Jesus is greater than. He started and said Jesus is greater than the prophets. Jesus is greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. Now we can add that Jesus is greater than Joshua because he's our rest. Now the preceding verses has led up to the conclusion in verse 9. Verse 9, what does it say? There remains, therefore, he's bringing the point, a rest for the people of God. A rest. Now, the word rest there for you students, the word rest there, that word rest in the Greek is only mentioned here, not nowhere else in the New Testament, not even if you look at the Hebrew uh, uh, close to it. It's only mentioned here. And it is the Greek word sabbatismos, which means Sabbath keeping. Sabbath keeping. It refers to an eternal rest. All of a sudden, he includes this kind of Sabbath that it's keeping. You know, it keeps on, and it continues on for those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It continues on. Verse 10, he says, For he, the believer in Christ, who has entered his rest, has himself also ceased from his work as God did from his And so God enter into his rest. We are resting now from the work. And and that points to the work of trying to keep, you know, the laws. The work of trying to get God to love you. He loves you. Even while we were sinners, he still loved us. To trying to make, you, you know, the work for salvation. You can't work for salvation. The only thing you have to do is believe. Repent and believe in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine trying to do the work of 613 commandments, 248 don'ts, and 365 do's? You can't. There is a rest now. Jesus paid it all. The complete work of the cross of salvation. That doesn't mean that we don't work in a sense of, you know, being part of a ministry and, and, and examining our lives to see whether or not, you know, we're obeying God and doing his will, you know. But we do that because Christ did it. We do it because we're Christ-like. We're, we're disciples of Christ. And disciples of Christ not only follow his ways, but do his ways. We carry the cross. And because Christ did the work of the cross, we have this rest. The rest points to Jesus. We have now a temporal rest, a temporal rest right now. Because, I don't know about you, but I am such at peace because of Jesus. I have this rest and we look at we look at all the promises that the scripture gives. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, right? 
And all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. We love those verses. And, and we can live and believe those verses because we have this peace. Be anxious for nothing but everything in prayer and supplication. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. Regard your heart and mind. Oh, why can't we say that? Why can't we be at rest in believing those words and applying it to our lives and living up to it? Because we have peace. We have rest in Jesus. Can you imagine those in the world don't have that peace? I don't need to tell you, none of us live on the rock, but you, you see the lawlessness that's carried out in the world. News is filled with everything negative. People are just killing people, family members, and the world is living with no peace, no hope. What am I going to do now? You know, look at the, what's going on, you know, chaos. It's chaos. There's no peace, no rest, because many have fear. Ultimately, they fear death. They don't know where they're going to go once they die. You know, the most important thing about your life is your soul, whether it stands before God righteous when you die. We plan for everything in life, but the one thing we neglect, the most important thing, is that part of you that's eternal. We worry about the temporal. I don't know how long you're going to live, 70, 80, 90, 100. Let's say you live to be 110. What's going to happen? 110 has a time limit. There's going to be an end. I don't think anybody that's here right now is going to be here 100 years from now, should the Lord tarry. There is an end for your life, and it's temporal. It's just a fraction, not even. I can't put a word to it. Compared to eternity, how long is eternity? It doesn't have an end. So if, you, if you're not concerned about your eternity, yeah, your body dies, but your soul is eternal. Where would it be? Now, with that question, where would it be? Does that put you at ease? Does that bring discomfort? What's going to happen to you when you die? If it does, then you don't know who Jesus Christ is. You see, that's where those of us who believe in Jesus, we have this rest. I know that once my spirit leaves my body, I'll be in the presence of God. Not because somebody told me, not because I said a sinner's prayer, not because I go to church, but because I've repented, turned my life around. And now I live for Jesus by faith. My life has changed. I'm not the same person I was before. I am now representing Christ, now allowing the Holy Spirit to filter the old me and to strip away the things that doesn't look like Jesus, and I'm being renewed day by day, as, as Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Being renewed day by day, we have this new life now. There's the rest because of Jesus. So we're not working for that. Christ did the work. and That's the temporal. Now when we get to heaven, there's an eternal rest. Eternal rest. In, in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, it said, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and the works following them. There is a rest. You know, when we get to heaven, it's going to be beautiful. Everybody has their view about heaven. Listen, don't believe what anybody says about heaven unless you read it from the Bible. Everybody has this perception about heaven. Oh, what is heaven? You ask anybody. Everybody has their view. They have their, no, what does the Bible say about heaven? That's the heaven. And while you're at it, find out how do you get there. Because <laughs> everybody has a way of getting there. It's amazing. You don't want to worship. You want to go to heaven to be in the presence of God forever. But you can't do it in church. <laughs> you can't do it in your time at home in devotion, reading the Bible, and praying. Learn how to get there. And so verses 1 through 10 we saw that 
the promise of God, it remains, it continues. Now we're going to see the urgency that the writer is, is, is giving us. But he's going to give us like three exhortations. He's going to encourage us. Listen, this is where we need to be, okay? That's in verses 1 through 13. Verse 11, number 1, it says, let us, love it, he's including himself, he's not holier than thou, let us, therefore, be diligent. We need to be diligent, number one. We want to maintain, we want to avoid being drifted away, we want to avoid hardening our hearts, and, and, and in disbelief, number one, be diligent, meaning to, to be eager, to make every effort, every effort, if it means to get up in the morning, to pray in the middle of the night, if it means to go to church when you don't want to go to church, if it means to read your Bible, even your flesh doesn't want to, or in prayer, get on your knees. You don't even have to be on your knees. You can sit down. You look at the book of Acts. The church started when they were sitting. As long as you pray, Jesus says, the, 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 the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So number one, be diligent so we won't fall like the children of Israel that were in the wilderness. This rest is not automatic. It's not automatic. We must be diligent. The dangers of believers today is like was that of the children of Israel will not stand but fall in disobedience. So be careful. That's the danger. There's a warning. Number one, be diligent. Number two, the word of God. Now the word of God has, there's three, uh, Three points is going to bring about the word of God. So you could say 2A, 2B, 2C. Uh, and so it's a popular verse. Verse 12 is very popular. So let's read it. Verse 12, he says, number one, we're going to be diligent. Uh, but here, the second thing is the word of God. And within the word of God, he said, for the living, for the word of God is living. It's living, meaning it's constantly, actively alive. It's alive. For those of you who really read and study your Bible, spend time in the Lord, whether you're a Bible study or even your own time, you realize, you know, you probably read a passage over and over again. You've been through a Bible study over and over again with probably the same passage. And then maybe a month later or a year later, you read it again and God reveals something to you, not something out of it, you know, but it stays in context. It's amazing how, you know, a year later, I taught this book before. For example, and, and I've been through it many times. And just doing my study for today, yesterday, I'm thinking, wow, the us, the plural, plural nouns for this writer, he includes himself. That's humbling. Us, the we. And I never saw that. I mean, I probably saw it, but didn't really pay mind to it. The word of God is living. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. How? Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Number two, the second thing about the word of God, it's powerful. It's powerful. Uh, the, word, the word powerful here in the Greek is energias, which we get the word energy. It's mentioned three times. In other words, it energizes us. It's alive. Every time we pick it up, it's alive, and it energizes us, you know, and it, 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 it gets you to be active in the word. Thirdly, about the word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, the word sharper here, not two-edged sword, the word sharper, it's only mentioned here in the New Testament, that word sharper, and it's tamos, and it means to cut once. 
I like those knives. Cut. That's it. Done. And they say, you could just like, you could split the hair. You ever see these movies or cartoons? Split the hair in your head. You know? That's what it means by being sharp. You don't have to be, you don't have to put any force. It is so sharp. All you got to do is, that's it. It cuts. That's what that means. And that's the word of God. It says, for the word of God is living in power and sharper than any two as a sword, piercing even to the, to the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. Now, this is a popular verse, and it does have a broad, a positive application for it. We could use it. Uh, it has many applications, but we want to keep this in context. Why is he telling us about the word of God? Because we need to enter into that rest. We need the word of God. We need the word of God because it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's going to do what it needs to do. And we need the word of God because what it does, it exposes. When you read the word of God, it exposes the innermost thought and desire that you have. It puts things in perspective. And that's why we put so much emphasis in the study of the word of God. Do we have all the answers? Absolutely not. If we do, then, you know, that's a small book. It's not the Bible. <laughs> but what the word does, it exposes the flesh. It exposes what's, you know, what's wrong with our walk. It keeps us right with God and prevents us from falling, drifting away, and getting into unbelief. And it keeps us to go into the rest of Christ. So the exhortation, number one, be diligent. Number two, the word of God. And finally, and lastly, verse 13. We must give an account. One day, we will stand before the Lord. Every single one of us, we will stand before the Lord. There is the judgment seat, and then there is the bema seat, and where we will be judged by everything we did, good or bad, as Christians. But then there's a judgment, and that you don't want to be. If you stand before the judgment seat, you probably already know by now, before you even get there. But that means you're going to be judged into eternal damnation. That's when the Lord's going to look at the Books and the book. There's books in the, in the book of Revelation, and then there's a book, singular. Books, plural, book. Those that are written in the Lamb's book of life, all it needs is your name. All it needs is your name. Why? Because all your sins have been forgiven. The books, it'll have your name. And the reason why so many books is because right alongside of it, it's going to show all the sins that you have not repented, ultimately rejecting Jesus Christ. But it's going to show that you have sinned, you lost, your heart is corrupt, you know, you've done wrong to your families, you steal, you rob, all these things are right next to your name. But praise God that there are many who've been in the books that God has taken, put that stamp, forgiven, telestai because the telestai is finished. Names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're going to stand before God. And God sees everything. But we're going to have to give an account. And look what it says in verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God sees everything, every creature, and everyone. You know, we live day by day thinking that God doesn't know what we are thinking What's in our heart or what we do? God sees everything. He knows everything. As soon as you get up, the first thought you have, God knows. You may forget it like me. I forget everything my age. You may forget as soon as you get up, oh, and then you could yawn and, okay, you forgot about it. God knows. He sees everything. 
You may get away with it from your family, friends. You may get away from, you know, legally. But you ain't gonna, you're not going to get away from God. <laughs> God sees all things. We're all going to answer to God for every little thing. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. I'm grateful God is watching me. Because every time I do something, I know he's there with me. And if he's in my heart, I don't want to offend him. I don't want nothing to come in my heart that doesn't please him. I want nothing to come in my mind that displeases him. I want to honor him with my life. You know, the eyes of the Lord mentioned in Revelation three times. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 14, chapter 2, verse 18, chapter 19, verse 12, it, it describes Jesus, the glorified Christ. It says his eyes were like a flame of fire. And don't picture the artist trying to paint the book of Revelation, you know, that Jesus with fire in his eyes. That's not what it means. It means that everything he sees, he's going to judge. That's what, that's what fire does. It purifies. Judgment. He's going to judge everything he sees. No one's going to get away. So we have to give an account. That's why we need to be diligent. We need to be in the word of God. This is serious. Going to church, whatever your perspective is or Christ or Christianity or religion, listen, put that all aside because that's not what Jesus is all about. Jesus is about a relationship. He's about a savior who died on the cross, who took your place in Calvary. He took the stripes. He took the nails. He took the the, the crown of thorns for you in your place. You deserve, I deserve to be on the cross, but he took your place. Separated from the father, never been done before. Never been separated, but your sin, my sin has separated God, the father and the son. And he did that to give, offer eternal life. And we come to church because that's how we grow. It's amazing how people go to the gym, go to the movie theater, go to dinner, go to lunch and go eat out and go to the parks, go on vacation. But church is the last thing if it's on there. It is important. In the same way you go to the hospital so you can help medically, you need to come to church. In the same way you go to the gym or go to the supermarket to buy food so you can survive, you need to come to church. And coming to church, you know, that's not going to save you. Coming to church is for those who are believers in Christ. It's open to those who don't believe, but it's so we can grow. We could grow in our faith. And there's an urgency. That's why he's here. He's, He's giving us some examples. We serve the same God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And this rest points to Jesus. It's the true rest. It's not in a day. It's not a vacation. It's not a day off. Rest is in the person, Jesus Christ. I want to read this last verse. If you could take this one verse out of our study, Hebrews 4, 11. Let's look at 11 again. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. There is a warning. Let us be diligent. Amen. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of Hebrews in a series called Jesus is Better. This book touches on so many amazing things, but really ties in the Old Testament covenant with the new. The author mentions the importance of the high priest and the sacrifices that were made. But the point is that Jesus became the high priest and also the sacrificial lamb for all people. Isn't it amazing how Jesus fulfilled all that was in the Old Testament? 
It's because Jesus became the high priest that now we can go to him for our strength, our courage, and our hope. Another way to come to God is in prayer. Jessica wants to tell you more about this. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks for listening to Running the Race.